I'm running out of words because it's big. You know what I'm saying? You know, you get. And so what the world is trying to do right now, even they're breaking down the order of creation. They're saying, man, you can't lead anymore because we don't want you to lead anymore. That's the big one right now. They're saying not everyone, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to go down there. I'm going to get into trouble. and We won't be able to put it on the web. But even that, I have to pick my words so carefully so I don't get nailed by the world <laughs> preaching the truth. It's ridiculous. And so, yeah, you hear what I'm saying? Like God desperately loves us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given his son Jesus for us. He desperately desires us to walk into the fullness of what he has for every single one of us. He desperately wants us to be in the congregation that is shining Jesus and love and grace and mercy to the surrounding areas so that his name will be glorified. But the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we stop pushing against him. Okay, so we're on the same page. Okay. Um, and we've got, to stand, we've got to take a stand and we've got to say, we don't want the world in our churches. We don't want to lead like the world leads. <laughs> we don't want the residue of what the world is. We want to lead the way Jesus wants us to lead. Because he's building his church. And it's his church to build. Does it make sense? Let me get into it. I'm kind of losing you, I think, because it's so hot. I'm melting as well. So the definition of a rebel is this. Um, uh, it's very small on the screen. It says, it's an open resistance to or defiance of a lawful authority. So think about this. God says, this is how I want to create. This is what I've put in place. This is the order of my stuff. This is, this is how I want it. And then we go, I don't want that. I'm going to do it my way. Oh, God, I've actually got a better way. I've got a better way of doing it than you. Being a rebel. Or defiance. You know, like, um, like kids defy you a lot. If you're a parent, <laughs> I love my daughter. Is Beth here? No. Okay, so I won't embarrass her. Don't tell her I said this. Like, this is my secret. She doesn't pack away things. Is it normal? I've almost killed myself three times this week. Honestly. I, I mean, I'm getting old too. If I fall, I might not get up. I don't know. You know, like, I'm like, I'm like, Bethany, just back away your stuff after you've used it. Yes, Dad. Blah. Bethany. Okay, I'm taking the screen time away. Will you listen to me? Yes, Dad. Blah. All over the next thing. Come on. That's just defiance. It's like, and I'm getting to the point where I'm going, Bubs, no, nah, it's not becoming a joke anymore. Like, this is a serious health issue for both of us, you know? And it's like, and she's like, she's so cute. That's a problem. She's like, oh, Dad, I love you. With the little eyes. I'm like, that's manipulation. Stop it. You know, like, and it's, and we're laughing, but we kind of do the same thing in the church. Oh, God, I can't give up the sin. I just keep on coming back and back. No, that's you choosing it. You're defying him. And eventually he's going to go, enough is enough. Like I'm eventually, I'm trying to be patient with Betty. I am just, it's not a, yeah, I don't think she's malicious. She's just trying, we're trying to teach her new. But there's going to be a point if she doesn't listen, babes, okay, enough is enough now. I love you. 
but we've got to take this to the next level. And sometimes God does that with us. And then we want to know why our lives suck. It's because we, we're resisting him. We're defying him. Because he is the lawful authority in our lives, or he should be. Okay, you guys, you guys still free? It's just not or something. I know it's a heavy word, but I think we need to get this in our hearts. Okay, let's go. Next, um, next slide. So I want to show you some examples of this and how this has played out through history. So first slide. So this is... Um, in the book of Revelation 12, verses one, uh, 7 to 12, if you want to go read this for yourself, you're welcome to. And in the book of Isaiah, verses 14, or chapter 14, verses uh, 4 to 17, God creates everything, and He says it's awesome. And He sits back and He enjoys what He's created, right? And we don't know what the time frame is. We don't know when this happened. We've got some clues, but I'm not going to go down that road tonight, but... Somewhere along the line, Lucifer, or Satan, as you might know him, is one of the three archangels in heaven. And he looks at God and goes, hold on, I want to be like you. And so he reckons, I'm going to take power. I'm going to take control. And he tries, but he gets snort clapped. <laughs> gets kicked out of heaven. Two-thirds, or a third, sorry, a third of the three-thirds, that's how thirds work, for those that, <laughs> I almost messed up a math there. <laughs> Trying to give comedic uh, relief here. A third of the angels get kicked down with him because they re rebelled. Because they, he tried to become like his creator. He tried to take power for himself. He tried to do it his way. And he's become the ruler of this world. And so that's who we're fighting. <laughs> that's, that's who's trying to deceive us on a daily basis. That's what we're fighting against is because of his rebellion that we have rebellion, if you think about it. Because then it translated into the serpent in the garden, and then Adam and Eve happened, which is the next slide. And uh, I had to put the faces there because I knew there might be some kids in the auditorium. I wanted to keep it PG. But, um, and I wanted to be a little bit naughty, because so, we're talking about rebelling and stuff. So, but Adam and Eve pull in and... And they do the same thing. They like they fall for the same trick. And then the serpent, who's already been cast down somewhere, I don't know where in history, but he's in the garden. He said, Surely God didn't say you're not gonna die. Surely, come on. And then he if you go read it in Genesis, it's it's quite crazy. He says, God doesn't want you to eat that fruit from that tree because he knows you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. And in the moment rebellion comes in. And Eve looks at the fruit and goes, yo, this fruit is awesome. <laughs> hey, Adam. And then he rebelled. <laughs> and that was a game changer. That's why we sit where we sit today. <laughs> yes. Defiance, resistance to the lawful authority of who God is. We need to reclaim this. I think we've made God our friend, which he is because the Bible says that. But he's more than just our friend. He's a sovereign king. Rule of creation, <laughs> savior of our souls, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the highest, most amazing being ever. Not just a friend or a brother. He is that to a certain degree in some situations, but he is not. He's king, and we are peasants, <laughs> and he is king, and we are peasants, and he is king. We've got to remember that. Otherwise, a rebellion is going to, we're going to rebel against him all the time. It makes sense. And then the third picture, which is a picture of us in a sense, should come right there, is 
the Israelites, God's chosen people, get taken out of slavery, get redeemed. Man, it's, it's an amazing story. They go into this desert because they don't listen to God. Can, you can cross in like three days. It took like 40 years to get through. And in this, in this story, man, they're rumbling against God and they're talking against Moses and their hearts are muff and they're rebelling. And they, uh, if you want to go read it, it is um, uh, Numbers 21 verses 4 to 9. <laughs> and God goes, enough now. I've had enough. No more. I'm a good God. I'm your God. I don't, you follow me. I don't follow you. <laughs> and he sends serpents to kill his own people. Because they're ha. Because they're rebelling. Because they're opposing his authority. And, and then, by his mercy, he says to Moses, make a, a bronze serpent. Am I walking too much? I see you guys. I'm just trying to keep you guys occupied as well, you know. Put up a bronze serpent. And whoever just looks at that thing will be saved from these snakes. Fast forward to John 3, verses 16. What do we know? It's, hey, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What's the scripture just before that? It's Numbers 21. Just as the Israelites looked to the serpent, so shall you look to the Son of Man to be saved. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This picture of rebellion is a picture for us. We're God's people now. We don't want him to send serpents <laughs> because of our grumbling and our moaning and our making God lesser than he is. No, he wants to smile on us. He wants to go, my sons, my daughters. <laughs> I've given you gifts, talents, brains, actually, to think, to stop being duped by the world, to start rebelling against the things that are hurting you rather than rebelling against me who is a loving father and king and creator. You're getting it? Like, because if we don't, oh, we're in serious trouble. Um, William Barclay is quoted in saying this, very, very awesome. He said, the tragedy of life and of the world is not that men do not know God. The tragedy is that knowing him, they still insist on going their own way. And if you're honest, I try to go my own way a lot. <laughs> but I'm tired now of going my own way because I've realized it's not taking me anywhere. And maybe you're sitting here going, oh, this is great for my wife or my husband. Or oh, man, this, this word will be for my neighbor. Can I just say, no, this word's for you. So I look at you and go, am I rebelling against God and his ways? And honestly, I don't understand God because I would, if I was God, I wouldn't do it like it's been done in a lot of areas. But he's done it his way. And we've got to respect that, right? <laughs> and then let's enter Jesus and we're going to start landing pretty soon. So Jesus changes everything in the desert. So up to now we have these. I was hoping someone would laugh. I did take a little bit of a risk because that is a picture of the, the, the devil and he's probably not happy with me right now. But we made him a pee face. Yeah, trying to rebel against, yeah. So, <laughs> so after now, in the history of man, thank you for laughing, whoever that was. 
up to now, the history of man is this. Satan rebels and falls. Adam and Eve rebel and fall. The Israelites rebel and fall. And Jesus comes and he enters the desert by the Holy Spirit. Remember the story. He was just baptized. There's a voice from heaven going, this is my son who I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit sends him to the desert to, to fast and to pray for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the desert, the devil, who's messed up on multiple occasions already in history, comes to Jesus and Jesus rebels against him. Boom. And every time the devil comes at him, he goes, no, that's not true. You're misquoting scripture. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And for the first time in man, the, the human history, Jesus has triumphed and he makes a way for us to not rebel against God anymore, but he makes a way for us to rebel against the devil and his scheming. And he changes the game. <laughs> That's why Jesus is the hope of glory. And the Bible, if you go read it, it says he was tempted in every way, just as we are tempted. He went through it and he came unscathed <laughs> and he became the savior of the world. And I honestly believe that this is a mirror for the work on the cross. Because I believe if he didn't get this right, he couldn't have gone to the cross for us. So if you want to pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus, and one of our mottos is dying to live, we want to focus on the living part. Die well once. <laughs> Don't keep on dying all the time because it's going to suck for you. Just die once. You know, like half dead and you're revived again and then someone, ah! you don't want that. Just die well. Resist the devil in the desert because we're going to get resistance. And be like Jesus was, fully reliant on the Lord, on his Father, and he stood. And that leads us to kind of where we fit into this picture. Um, so Jesus comes and he flips everything upside down, and I'm calling it the upside down kingdom. Because up to this point, everything status quo. Mess up, mess up, rebel, mess up, rebel, mess up, mess up, rebel, mess up. And then he goes, flip. And he flips it. He goes, hey, you guys don't have to do it anymore. I'm going to come and give you grace. And grace is the supernatural ability to do what is right rather than what is doing to do what is wrong. Do you know that? It's that simple. The grace of the Lord. In myself, I shouldn't be choosing his ways. But because he's in me, I choose his way. Grace. It's beautiful. He turns everything upside down. And he says, if you are my people, you don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to live a rebellious life without any cause. You don't have to push against me. I will come and give you everything for life and godliness. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I will walk with you. And I will be your counsel and your guide. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And I will help. Well, you can't do it in yourself. I will come. Yes, that's a beautiful picture. And he just shifts everything upside down. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And so we see that working out in the Bible. I just want to show you a few more pictures and then we'll start landing. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Next slide, please. And we know the story so well. Um, three young men taking the slaves out of their people and put under a ruler who was quite egocentric, egotistical or whatever. Makes this massive statue of himself. Tells everyone to fall on their knees and worship him every time they use the, hear the band playing. Just imagine that, eh? The band plays. <laughs> Everybody's on their knees. You do whatever you're doing, you just drop it. It could have been quite a dangerous occupation, though. You know what I'm saying? I don't think about it. And these, these three young men love Jesus. You know the story, but I just want to remind you, just to give us some hope. If they can do it, we can do it. 
And they're like, we are not going to bow down to you. <laughs> so the music goes and they, everyone, you just imagine, just put yourself there. Everybody's like on their knees, on their face. And then the three oaks are like, Whoop. and I can imagine, I can imagine like, hey, it's like, get down. And they're like, like pulling on the oak's leg. Like, Come on. And they're like, we will not. And eventually the king kind of confronts them because he's probably pretty messed up and angry. And they say something amazing. Um, and go again, read this for yourself if you don't. Like, our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we are not going to serve you. <laughs> yes, that's like the most rebellious line in the whole Bible. It's awesome. And it makes the king so mad that he heats up the furnace like seven times or something like that. that the guys are, are trying to put the wood in burn to death. And he says, this is your life now. Throws him in there. And we know the story. Because they stood. <laughs> because they had faith. I think Jesus appeared with them. And there weren't three men then, there were four. And when they pulled out, they didn't even smell like smoke. And that king declared, no one worships any other God except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. The whole thing flipped upside down. That's a beautiful story. And in a sense, what I'm saying is, God is calling us to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. Hit the next one, please, bro. Um, this is an amazing story as well. And I needed to bring it in. Uh, Matthew 8. I want to read it quickly because I, I want to abbreviate this. It's quite important. Matthew 8 verses 5 to 13. It says this. This is the Jesus and the centurion. And the centurion was a, quite a high up um, commander in the army of those days. It says this. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Verse 7. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. There's something of he knows who Jesus is. Like there's this respect. There's this authority that he's seeing in the Lord, you know. It's beautiful. Um, and he says, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servants, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled. This is Jesus marveling, the king of glory marveling. It's crazy. And said to those following him, I tell you the truth. With no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's hectic. May will, uh, sorry, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. Yeah, and he just goes on. The point I'm trying to make is this. He's going, in all of Israel, this man is the most faith I've ever seen. And for the rest, they're just gonna be cast into the darkness. It's crazy. But what was the key there? That man came humbly before the Lord. He said, man, I don't even need you. I just say the word, God. Jesus, just say the word because I understand authority. I want to be under your authority in order for, to be under your authority. I need it. I mean, if I want authority, I need to be under your authority. And I recognize something in you. 
You guys following me? And Jesus marvels and he says, yo. And so I'm going to, now this is going to offend somebody, probably. But we have to go there. So next scripture, quickly. And so having said that, um, we are right there at the back. You're doing well, Tennis. Can I get the next scripture, please? Thanks, bud. Hebrews 13, 17, and 18. So keep this in mind. Jesus models something here in the story of the centurion and him. And Hebrews 13, 17 says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. For those who will have, uh, f- as those who would have to give an account, let them do it with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. And then he says, pray for us, for that we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring and acting honorably in all things. And so I want to bring it down to our congregation and what God is doing in Josh Jen right now. And I want to say this. I'm just Brett, a guy that has many issues and insecurities. And I mess up on a daily basis and I'm just a normal guy, right? And I relate to you as a normal guy. I don't see myself as anything better, anything. And we've been trying to build that way. And that's one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, I'm not just Brett. I'm an under-shepherd, under the Lord Jesus Christ, an elder in his church with authority and wisdom and giftings that he has decided for some reason, I don't know why, (laughs) to bestow upon us as an eldership team to lead you with all diligence so that you can come into the fullness of what God is calling you. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. And so on one side, I'm just a normal guy. On the other side, I'm not. For some reason, God has chosen me and the eldership team to be the authority in the local church here. And so if you kick against us, you kick against God. And if I kick against those who lead me, I kick against God. And the safe place here is I'm under authority because I have authority. And so I want to apologize for a few things quickly. I think I have to. Over the last six months, we've been going through quite a lot. Um, But where I messed up was I shrunk back. And I haven't led well. I took my hand off the plow a little bit. And I missed it. (laughs) And I let things loosen maybe too much in some ways or another. I, may, I let things slide a little bit where I shouldn't have. I, I, just, I wasn't diligent in, in leading well. And uh, when we were at the elders camp last week, um, we went through all the congregations. It's quite stressful, actually. You're like we, go, we went through all the congregations and how they were doing and how they weren't doing. And it's very stressful sitting there. And the, your congregation is the one that's <laughs> been like on the firing line, you'll say, today. And I just, I just said to Andrew, I just, I'm feeling there's a change coming. I'm just telling you my heart. So I'm just trying to be open and accountable. I'm like, Andrew, I don't know if I have grace to lead anymore. It just feels like I'm shrinking back. I just don't, I don't feel like I can do it. And I think it's been, I've been feeling like that for a while now. I'm like, I just don't know. I just don't know. Like, and he says to me, he says to me, um, I think you're just tired. So I'm going to command you to go on six weeks leave. And when you're back, you'll be great. 
And yes, there is a change coming, so you're going to have a congregation and you're going to go translocal. Yay! That was the end of the conversation. Love what's going on in PM. You're doing a great job. Building a great team. Guys are growing. There's excitement because it was here a couple of weeks ago. Keep on doing the good work. You know what happened in that moment? I could have gone, oh, Andrew, you're not listening to me. I'm tired. I don't have grace for this thing. I don't want to lead stuff because there's so much pressure all the time and I can't sleep. And it's just people, people, people on my case all the time. I could have said that. I didn't. I went, flap. I didn't. I, in my mind, I was like, it didn't go as exactly as I was planning. <laughs> but then I went, he's my leader. He sees something in me. Yes, I am tired. I haven't lost grace. I'm going to run now. I'm going to take my leave though. <laughs> but I'm going to run. And so I'm trying to model something. I could have been muffed with him and rebelled in my heart. Even if I went, yeah, Andrew, Andrew. But in my heart, I'm going, oh, you're, oh, you're not listening. I didn't. I went, Andrew, you're my leader. I'm going to, okay, cool. I've got faith now because you've seen something in me. The th- same should translate down. doesn't make any sense. So how does a rebellion look in church? It can be very small things. Say, for instance, um, I say to the guys, okay, tonight, when we come to worship just now, hopefully we get to worship. Sorry, it's a long preach, but I have to do this well because it's such a, I don't want to, I'd rather you guys not offended with me out there and be offended with me there. Someone's at the door. Can you let them in? Thanks, bud. I think it's Jonathan. So, so say, for instance, we're going to worship later and I say to everyone, please come to the front. We're going to worship together. And one of my elders sits there and goes, I don't feel like that tonight. And so everyone comes and he sits there, but he's free. He's free to worship whatever he wants. Now that that's rebellion. Because what we're teaching the people is if someone calls up whoever's leading the meeting and they have authority over the meeting right now, we call and we call to do something, and one of the leaders says, I don't want to do that, we actually, and we don't address that. We're actually teaching people to rebel. We're teaching people to resist the call of what God is saying. Small, hey, but big. Like, if we, for home group leaders, and I'm not saying you're doing this, I'm just using practical examples. If we say, we want to work through the preachers on a, on a Wednesday because we want to live out the Word of God. We don't want to just preach and then go and then preach and then go. We actually want this thing. And you go, you go home and you go, I'm a, I, I want to do my own thing. I'm going to do this topic. And you know what you're doing? You're actually teaching your people to rebel against what's being asked. Ah. It's that simple. Think about it if you've got kids. Parents, they, our kids rebel against us all the time. We need to cut that stuff off. Because we're teaching them to rebel, and eventually they'll rebel against us and God, actually. Are you guys following me? And so I've never, and you know, I've never led with the iron fist. I'm not a micromanager. I'm not, there's just, there's an order that we might be missing, and it's probably my fault. Because I'm the leader, yeah. But I want to regain that thing and go, hey, listen, God, I want to serve you. I want to be a man of a thunder of authority because I'm under authority and I want to follow you. Does it make sense? Like, it's so easy to start rebelling. And the other thing I'm, I want to apologize for is this. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully I get to, hopefully I do this right. As I've got older, I've become more gracious <laughs> and, and I'm really trying to win people through love. Okay, so I'm trying to be patient and I'm trying to, I'm trying everything to win you without being too forceful. 
But what I've realized over the last couple of weeks is I think we've gone so far over that that's where the slidings come. You know, like I'm actually better at, hey, there's something called, there's something. And as elders, we did this on, on Monday. We had an elders meeting. I think we finished at like 12 o'clock. We started at 7, 11 o'clock. And I said, I apologize, guys. I messed up here. Please forgive me. And then we went through, hey, God's highlighting this in you. And God's highlighting that. That's stuff that's not And so we're doing it on that level. It was a great meeting, actually. And Shane Monaki was there too. Shame we asked him to come and love you, bud. But we work, we're working through some stuff. It's like God's got his number as well, you know, doing some good, good stuff there. And, um, and what I'm realizing is sometimes if we're nicer than Jesus, we actually, oh, what's that word? I'm, that's that word. We're actually enable, if I'm nicer than Jesus, say there's something in your life, and I'm not saying there's anything in your life, and I'm loving, I'm loving, I'm loving, and I keep on letting you live in that thing. I'm actually, in a sense, enabling you to live in your sin and your brokenness. And I think I've done that to us. And I'm sorry if I have. And so tonight, in a sense, I want to draw a line with us. And, and, and all of us stood last week. So this sucks for you guys and me because I stood as well. We've got to draw a line. And we've got to, we've got to in love, go, okay, enough is enough. We're not going to enable anybody to live in the sin or the rebellion or the brokenness, all of that. We've got to redeem that. And the only way in redeeming that is iron sharpens iron, living in the light, asking good questions, maybe even missing. I said to my elders, I could be totally wrong here. Not even seeing, I might not even be seeing what God is seeing. But I, in faith, I'm going, I might be seeing something that God is seeing, and we need to sort that thing out. Otherwise, we're not going to go forward. And I, I'm, I'm asking you, if you're willing, to go, go come with me. I want to draw that line. I want to stop enabling people. But that means we're going to have harder conversations. It means we're going to get a little bit more uncomfortable. It means we're going to call things out that you might not even see. They're called blind spots. And the nature of a blind spot is you can't see them, but everybody else can. It's like when you've got a snolly. I had a snolly on my beard the other day. A big one. And I'm like, I was chilling. I was talking to people. I was in the open. And my, my new son, <laughs> I saved me. And he was like, Brett, there's something on your finger. I'm like, what the heck? It's been like three hours and no one's saying anything. Because everyone's like checking me out. There's this big, horrible slurry there. And then we're like, and then no one's helping me. Except for James, eventually. Thanks, bud. But <laughs> that's what sin can be like. Everybody else can see it. And everyone's kind of like, oh, we don't really know how to broach the subject because there's an elephant in the room because we might hurt their feelings. But we're not helping that person. They still got the snolly on them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> have I lost you totally or are you guys still with you? Man, I love the fan and the smiling. Thank you. Just keep, you're keeping me going there. You know what I'm saying? Just keep on, yeah. We're going to give account of your life to Jesus. I want it to be a good one for my own sake. <laughs> for your sake, actually. It's a very, 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 very weighty thing to lead a church. Because the consequences are eternal and everlasting. And that's why I think Jesus models authority so well. And even in the Trinity, He always submits to the Father and the Holy Spirit always submits to Him and they're perfect unity. Anyways, I've labored this too long. Hopefully you get my heart. If you get upset with me, let's chat. But it's, it's the word of God. It's 
the word of God. <clears throat> Galatians 3.3, 3, and I, I need to start landing. Sorry, I just, I, have, I just wanted to do this well. Galatians 3, verses 3. Steve has given me thumbs. When Steve gives you thumbs, then you know you're doing all right. So this is what we are like, all of us, and we have to keep this in mind and with this whole rebellion thing. Galatians 3.3 3 says this, Are you so foolish? Question mark. Guys, are you so foolish? He's writing to the church in Galatia. Are you so foolish? And that's what God is calling me and us. Because after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? The point of this scripture is this. You can be sincere, but sincerely wrong <laughs> on everything. You can, your, your, your intentions can be amazing, but it, you, you, can, you can miss it. And I know for my life, and I know for many here, if you're honest, we start well in the Spirit. Yeah, I that God is doing something, and we're finding the, His river of life, and the Holy Spirit is over us, and it's just, ah! And then something, something happens somewhere along the line, and flesh comes in, and pride, or whatever it is, and then we start ending in the spirit, ending in the flesh, and then things start crashing and burning, and people are getting hurt, and we go, what the heck happened there? And we'll end up like those people when Jesus said, they said, Jesus, but in your name, we drove out demons. And he said, hey, listen, I don't know what you did in my name, but I never knew you. We've got to start in the flesh, I mean the spirit, no flesh. Okay. I was testing to see if you guys are sleeping yet. We've got to start in the Spirit and we've got to end in the Spirit. We've got to start in the Spirit and end in the Spirit. We don't want to be like the foolish Galatians. But it takes hard work. It takes people speaking to tell lies. It takes us submitting, all of us. I'm submitting under leadership just like you submit under leadership. There's no difference. No difference. If I'm miffed with Andrew and the guys that lead me, I'm in trouble. And you're in trouble because I'm in trouble. It works. This is for all of us. I'm going to end on this. C.S. Lewis quote. Let's do that. Can you put up the last one? C.S. Lewis is quoted in saying this. There are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then. Have it your way. That's a flippin' amazing quote. And I came across it. And so I want to end like that. Because I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. But what I could do is this. I could plead with you to be a rebel with the cause. To rebel against the Satan and flippin' world systems. And all the stuff that's breaking you down and breaking me down and breaking the church down. And start rebelling against those things. And start actually going, actually devil... I'm going to resist, you know, I'm going to resist my flesh. I'm going to resist my wants and my needs. And I want to be the first guy. Thy will be done. I don't want to be the second guy where God goes, okay, do you want it? You're going to get it now. And Romans 1 is a very, very strong picture of people getting what they ask for. You know Romans 1. It's like banned in like 42 countries or something. It says, because... So it says, God, uh, if I can remember correctly, I was going out of memory here, but it says, God gave them over, their, over to the earthly flesh. And they gave up proper relations for man on man and woman on woman because they didn't acknowledge that he was the creator of God. And he, just, and he just gives them to sin and debauchery and annihilation, actually, at the end of the day. 
We all deserve one thing, and that's eternal damnation in hell forever without him. That's what we all deserve. <laughs> but God. And when we realize rebellion is a thing that's breaking the church down, we're going to see a church rise up and be beautiful like never before. We're going to see men and women, young and old, you're on fire for Jesus. We're going to see salvations like we've never seen before. We're going to see baptisms lining up around the building. We're going to see broken people getting fixed. We're going to see demons fleeing. We're going to see children doing amazing things. Young people taking a stand in varsity and school and going, no, we're going to be the game changers. We're going to, we're going to be the ones that set the tone of what happens in our environment. But it takes us to go, I don't want to rebel anymore against you, God. <laughs> so maybe we should stand together and I'll pray for us. And thank you for not throwing anything at me. It was a good start. Just pray quickly. Maybe Moniki, can you come up so long, dude? <clears throat> what time do we know we finish? Six. Half past. Half past. Are we over time or under time? Under. Oh, oh. So, man, I, I want to just preach and then we leave and then I waste my breath and I waste your time. It's not where I, we don't come to church for that. We come to church to be impacted by the Word of God and by God Himself, actually, and by His Spirit. And so I'm going to pray for us right now. And as we go into time of worship, I think this is an amazing um, time just for you to focus on the Lord for yourself. And He knows your heart. He knows what's in there. He knows if you're far from Him or close to Him. He knows if you have bitterness in you or unforgiveness. I know that He knows if you're hurting. He knows if you're fine. He knows if you're pushing against Him as well. And the cool thing about God is He never actually forces. <laughs> um, there's a moment, there's a time in my life where I tried to commit suicide because of various reasons. And I remember turning my back on the Lord in that moment because I was just a dumbass and for like six months to eight months he just patiently just was with me waiting for me to turn back to him and I remember one day I was just like the pain was so hectic I was like God what the heck are you doing he said oh, you know I'm not doing it you're doing it and I was like what do you mean it's like he said you turned your back on me and in that moment I was like oh flip I have that moment he just came and he did something phenomenal never look back and so as we worship please between you and the Lord you might not even know God here tonight you might not even be a Christian all you need to do is say Jesus I believe that you died on the cross I believe in my heart I confess my sins to you save me if you're not a Christian yet tonight do that in worship now Tell you now, your life will never be the same. It'll be awesome. It'll be hard, but it'll be awesome. Maybe you are here and you're a Christian and you are so far from Him for whatever reason. Please come back to Him. 
Stop rebelling. Push into him. So Father, thank you for your word. Thank you even for your leadership from Andrew and the guys just on their hearts or what they're teaching us and what, yeah, the way they live their lives so that we can follow them. Lord, I want to pray that your spirit comes upon every single one of us in this place tonight. Lord, that you'll soften our hearts. Lord, you'll give us a courage like never before. Lord, there'll be a hunger and a thirst for you to choose your way. To say, God, your will be done. Lord, I know that we can't do this on our own. It's only by your power and by your spirit, by the freedom that you give us that we can do this. And so, Lord, we want to ask that your spirit comes right now. That you do deep work in us bring life to us for those who need it. Follow you step by step. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. something in your life that you need to surrender, if there's a particular path that you've been walking that you know you need to stop and change direction, there's been a little bit of rebellion in your life and you're saying, I know now that I need to change. Maybe just by indicating that, even as we enter into a time of worship, that's, um, and it's a good response. It's, it's not necessarily to say you've definitely been living in rebellion, but you want to realign and readjust your life bread has spoken and you say Lord I'm stepping out I'm stepping forward I'm coming to the front to acknowledge and say that you are Lord and that I'm positioning myself where you want me to go so maybe I'll just encourage you if that's you to come stand in the front and let's worship God and realign and say Lord here's my life again let it be a sign of surrender Stand 
with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who 